of heights to the depths of the sea. And then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed, speaking of Saul, is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. God and Saul are witness, Samuel, that all your life, up to this moment in time, you've not cheated us, you don't owe us anything. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today on Truth in Christ, our scripture says, Witness against me before the Lord. Samuel reminded Israel that he had not defrauded, oppressed, or had been corrupt in any way while serving as their judge. He simply challenged the nation by telling them, If I have wronged you or been corrupt, come forward now and declare it. Samuel wanted the nation to know that he had passed a good legacy of leadership to the new king. He wanted Israel to recognize that he didn't hand Saul a mess to clean up. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues in 1 Samuel chapter 12. They knew I was a Christian. They said, what does the Bible have to say about this? What is this? What's going on? And it was a great opportunity, again, to minister. Notice I didn't initiate it. They initiated it. But see, begin to think like that, that your job no longer has to be a drag, but your job can be a mission field. You have to be careful, but it can be a mission field. And what a blessing for Israel to have Samuel for all that time. But as so often the case, when a man of good character who has kept, the, and kept them accountable to God and has lived the example before them, once he has passed from the scene, the people go about their business. They stop following the father of their faith in a sense. Lowercase f, understand? There's an old phrase that when the cat is away, the mice will play. And for some reason, when we don't have accountability, that's usually the most dangerous time for us. And that's exactly what happened to the children of Israel. Do you recall what happened? And, and this is a, a real indictment on the children of Israel. Um, at this verse here in, um, in uh, uh, what, what verse are we in? Chapter, or verse 2, write this scripture reference. Judges chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. I would encourage you to read this verse often and let it challenge you about your kids and your grandkids and the kind of life that you live and what kind of heritage you leave behind. 
Notice what it says in Judges chapter 2, verse 7. And this is after, this is the death of Joshua after he led them out um, or into the promised land. And finally he, you know, they divide the land, they get it all settled, and finally he dies. But it says in verse 7, so the people served the Lord. Listen to this very carefully because this is where we're at as a country. This is where we have been actually, and that's why we're in such a mess that we are in today. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua because there's their accountability. There's the man before him. First it was Moses. Moses, now it's Joshua, and Joshua's getting old, and he starts to fail, and then finally he dies. But before he does, he tells them, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at timnath Herez in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash. And when all that gen- and here it is, circle this verse, verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation. Here is the tragedy, and it's happening in our country. It has been happening for years. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did what? They did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. They served all those false gods, those demonic beings that promised them so many good things, and yet they were empty and did nothing for them, but brought them into greater bondage. And see, that's why it's important as as dads, as moms, we have to continue to share with our kids, tell them the great things that God has done, that they know the works that God did in your life so that they can see him. Tell them to your grandkids, even if you only spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour if they're willing, spend that time with them in the word as often as you can. As often as you can, telling them the things that God did for you, because then there's life in it. It's not just about us, you know, David and Goliath in the Bible. It's about this is what God did for your mother and I when we were going through a, uh, our marriage. You know, when we first got engaged and we didn't have any money, and God provided a job, and He did this, and a miracle happened, and you know, God dropped a million dollars out of the sky, and that's why I have this new jet ski. I mean, whatever it is, tell how God what He has done for you. Tell them, tell them the works of God in your life. Get them into the Word. Tell them the history. I love to tell our daughter those kinds of things. I love telling her how God gave us our first house and how that all came about. It was a miracle. How God brought my wife in together. That was a miracle. Believe me, I tried. and I, I was failing miserably. And God had to intervene, and he did. <laughs> Go figure. I prayed for nine months, and God did something. Without me... Many other things he's done. But see, accountability that now that Samuel is giving to the people of Israel, it is good. He's telling them what has happened. We've already read it. We've read through the chapter. He's given them a history lesson about what God did. And he's making them accountable by rehearsing it for them and giving them conditional promises. If you do this, God will do this. If you don't do this, then God's not going to do that. Conditional promises. He gives them to them. And accountability is good. And for those young people, if you're a young person watching or watching this or hearing it on the radio later on down the road, 
I want to encourage you not to shrug that off or don't despise the accountability of your parents or those who are older than you. It's for your own good. I see that now. When I was 13 and 14 and even till my early mid, you know, 20s, I didn't quite understand, but something about age, something about maturity gets a hold of you and you realize, Man, my parents really knew what they were talking about. And they were trying to tell me all that time not to do this, not to do that. Be careful, son. Watch out for this. Watch out for that. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I can do it better. And I, and I didn't. I made a mess of, of things. And in fact, I, I sinned better than they did. And I got in more trouble. But as you know, with freedom comes responsibility. And so if you're responsible, guess what? You earn more freedom. That's what accountability is. Learn from those who are older than you, especially those who are in the Lord. There's an old Spanish philosopher who said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So it's important that we rehearse these things, that our kids, our grandkids can learn from what we have done. But back in our text, let's look at verse 3. Notice what Samuel says. He says, here I am. This is his swan song. Here I am, witness before me, witness against me, excuse me, before the Lord and before his anointed. He's speaking of now the new king, Saul. Who's, uh, and he says, and here's his uh, question to everyone, the whole nation. Whose ox have I taken or whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? If I have, I will restore it to you. And notice what he said at the very first of that part of that verse. Here I am. Underline that verse. And I want you to put a little scripture reference next to it. Underline here I am and then put in 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 5. Just put in 3, or colon 1 through 5. You'll see why, because I'm going to share it with you right now. Here at the end, near the end of, his, of this transition, of his ministry really ending and Saul's really beginning, at the very beginning of his ministry in 1 Samuel chapter 3, remember it says that the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and remember, this is when Samuel was just a little boy, just a little guy, probably under 10 years old still. Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun, uh, begun to grow dim so that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. Do you see that? And he did this three other times in chapter 3. Here I am. And now at the end of his ministry, even though he's got some more time on the earth yet, Officially, he's going to end his role in a sense. And what does he say at the very end? Just like he said at the very beginning, here I am. Examine me. Look what, have I, do I owe anybody anything? And verse 4, back in our text, and they said, you've not cheated us or oppressed us. You haven't taken anything from any man's hand. And then he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and his anointed, speaking of Saul, is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, he is witness. God and Saul are witness, Samuel, that all your life, up to this moment in time, you've not cheated us, you don't owe us anything. And Samuel was so unlike the men that he grew up with. Hophni and Phinehas, so, so very different. He was a man of integrity, a great man of God. And this was Samuel's way of going out blameless. 
going out blameless before the people, clearing the way before Saul, clearing any accounts that might be open against him. I wonder how things would be if every CEO and every politician did that before they left office or before they left the business and somebody else took over. If there was a clearing of the accounts and a conscience coming forward and saying, does anybody have anything against me? Have I stolen anything? Is anybody aware of any problem before I leave this platform? You know, is there any problem? Can you imagine how much better the world would be if people did that? It's called a clear conscience. You know, sometimes at a wedding, I don't, they don't really do this so much anymore, but sometimes at weddings, the priest or the pastor will say, if there's anyone here who does not agree with this marriage, speak now or forever hold your peace. And then invariably, there's some guy in the background who had a date with the bride and he's felt, you know, disheveled and, you know, dissed. He stands up, no, they shouldn't be married. She's mine. And then Secret Service comes out and puts a little dot on his chest, you know. No. You know what I mean? There's accountability. Accountability and transparency is good. I want to hear that someday. When I finally check out, however that is, whether it's through death or when the Lord takes us in the rapture. Do you know he's coming soon, folks? Are you excited? Get excited because he's coming soon. He's coming soon. And when he does, I want to hear, just like it was spoken to um, in Jesus when he spoke to his disciples in Matthew twenty-five, twenty-one. And what did he say? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. For you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of your Lord. Don't you want to hear that? I want to hear that. And in a sense, that's what Samuel's doing. He's clearing the, clearing the accounts, and it's a good thing to do. And then in verse 6 through 11, we're going to see him rehearsing history for them, telling them the history from the time they came out of Egypt up till that moment in time, and briefly, all the good things that God has done for them, making them again accountable. Do you see what God did? Do you remember before you had a king? Before you had a king, you remember what God did? Do you remember what he did? Before you had a king, do you remember what God did? Let's start in verse 6. Then Samuel said to the people, It's the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did for you and your fathers. So when Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord because of the oppression, of course, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place that you're at right now. And when they forgot the Lord, verse 9, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, Moab, and they fought against them. And then they cried to the Lord, and he said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, but now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. Doesn't that sound like the roller coaster that we were just in when we were in the book of Judges? Just one after another, one after another, ups and downs, ups and downs. They, they fall into idolatry. God allows somebody to take them out, take them captive. Then they cry out, and then God raises up a savior, a deliverer, not a king. God raises them up, gives them, puts the spirit of God on the, upon them, empowers them to do something, not a king. And then verse 7, And the Lord sent Jerubbabel, who we know as Gideon, Bedan, who is uh, Barak, and Jephthah, and Samuel. Samuel is the last judge. And it delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. 
Wow, and God did all that, didn't he? Without a king, without a big army, God directing all the way. So unlike all the other nations around them. You know, I don't want to be like everybody else, do you? I mean, do you really want to be like all the other nations? Do you want to be like everybody else? You know, one of the things I think is so interesting about the body of Christ is we have the greatest thing that unifies us, and that's the Lord himself. He unifies us in spite of our racial differences, in spite of our backgrounds, in spite of our anything. I mean, it's like Baskin-Robbins in here tonight. We got 55 varieties of everybody in here. We got people from Asia. We got people from Europe. We got people from, you name it, you know. I'm looking around the room, and each of you have a story, and we've all come from different places, and yet we can love each other in here. We can really love each other, and we have for years. I've known most of you for many, many years. And here we are together, unified under one banner, under one banner, Jesus Christ. How powerful is that? The world can't even do that. Do you understand that? If this was a workforce, people would be fighting and gossiping and talking about each other, going out to drinks, and did you hear about so-and-so? I can't believe that she said that, and he did, he did what? Just bickering, fighting, scraping, hateful. But yet the church can gather like this. And notice in verse 12 in our text, it says, And when you saw, now Samuel, again, speaking to the Israel, he says, When you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but we will have a king over us when the Lord your God was your king. Did you notice the progression? I just It hit me like a ton of bricks today. Notice the progression of what's happening up to this very moment in their history. God being their provider, their sustainer, their deliverer through the wilderness. No king, right? No king. And then all of a sudden, during the time of the judges, God raises up these individuals whom the Spirit of God comes upon to help deliver them from their problems, their enemies. And now, finally, they have a king. Do you see the progression? First, there's just the Lord. Now there's judges. Now there's a king. Do you see how that works? Slowly, slowly, the people's eyes are getting off the Lord and rather on a man. And it's always dangerous when we get our eyes on a man. And I say that right now because, you know, many people, and again, whether you're Republican or Democrat, we shouldn't be having our eyes on, and and the Lord convicted me of this, we shouldn't have our eyes on Joe Biden or Donald Trump or anybody else. God is the one who's in control. He's the one we need to seek, and we need to do what we should do and pray for those who are in authority over us, right? Peaceably, live peaceably and do the right thing. Amen? But it went from a total dependence upon God to dependence upon man. Dependence upon man. You'll notice that, and you might just want to write down a few of these verses, just a couple of them. Uh, Deuteronomy 29 through 33. These are actual chapters. In the margin of your Bible, right next to verse 12, write in Deuteronomy 29 through 33. And also write in Joshua chapter 24. Now, what is the big deal about those chapters? Deuteronomy 29 through 33 is when Moses was finally giving his swan song, like Samuel is doing tonight in this chapter. Moses telling the people, rehearsing for them all that God had done, how he brought them out of Egypt, all the things that he did in the desert. And finally he gets to the, the eastern side of the, of the uh, Jordan River, and God wouldn't allow Moses to go over. We looked at that. And so he dies, and then Joshua takes over. But before he dies, 
Moses gives them this whole history and then warns them. He says, if you do these things, God will do this. But if you don't do these things, rest assured, you are in deep trouble. You are in deep trouble. Turn with me to Joshua. We'll just look at one of these. Uh, Turn to the book of Joshua, and we'll look at the very last chapter, chapter 24. And let's see here. Um, And again, this won't take very long, but I just want you to see it. Uh, I would encourage you to read the entire chapter, but basically Joshua is rehearsing again, and before he leads the children of Israel into the promised land, he is rehearsing for them all the history, all the things that God did, bringing them through the Red Sea, all the things that God did, the miracles. And then it says in verse 16, actually back up in verse 15, Finally, he says to the people, he says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. Now, I want you to compare what, we've, what we're reading right now in Joshua to what we've just read in chapter 12. Similar thing happening, a rehearsing of history and then a warning. So he tells them in, back in Joshua 24, verse 15, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose your, for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us up. And our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord for he is our God. And that's after Joshua rehearsed for them all the great things. And they're basically saying, yeah, we agree with all that. And then it says in verse 19, but Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord. You can't serve the Lord, for he's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. And then he gives them the conditional promise. Does this sound familiar to what we read about tonight in our chapter 12 tonight? He says, if, if you forsake, and here is the conditional promise, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn, on, he will, uh, turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. And so Joshua said to the people, notice, you are witness against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Isn't this what, isn't this what Samuel is doing before the people there? Making them witnesses? Saul, you're witness to this as well. Has anybody... Taken a bribe from my hand? Here I am. Let's clear the accounts. Anybody got any problem with me? Right? Joshua's doing the very same thing. He's rehearsing for them the great things of God and then telling them, you better be careful, folks. Better be careful. Notice what he goes on and he says, and they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law. And he took a large stone and he set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, here it is. Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. 
So he's warning them. And that's exactly what we see here. Let's go back into our text tonight in verse 13. So he says, Now therefore, here is the king whom you've chosen and whom you have desired. And take note. And you know, even though God had picked Saul, the Lord knew the heart of the people. He knew exactly what they were looking for. They were looking for someone tall, dark, and handsome. Ladies, you're probably going, well, that sounds like a really I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.